0: Christmas 2020 is being impacted by COVID-19. I mean, your family's probably dealing with the same things. Probably your family may be divided on to gather or not gather, how to gather, how to not gather, maybe divided on mask or no mask, vaccines, no vaccines, maybe divided on other issues like faith or politics or public-private education, just a host of other issues that divide us. So, how can we, this time of year, take these conversations at Christmas time? How can we move them toward the gospel? That's what we're going to talk about today is taking these conversations, Christmas 2020. Let's move them toward the gospel. So on this Christmas Eve, 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 Eve? Yeah, Christmas Eve to the fifth power, I believe. Uh, We're going to discuss this subject, Gospel Conversation Starters, for Christmas 2020. And we're going to do that by unpacking Isaiah 6. So find Isaiah 6. If you're already there, say, I'm there. If you're not there, say, I'm not. But it's okay. We've got it on the screen, so you're in good shape. Isaiah 6, verse 1. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up. And the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him stood the seraphim, each had six wings, with two he covered his face, with two he covered his feet, and with two he flew. And one called to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the foundations of the threshold shook at the voice of him who called, and the house was filled with smoke. And I said, Woe is me! And your sin atoned for. And I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send, and who will go for us? Then I said, Here am I, send me. And he said, Go, and say to this people, Keep on hearing, but do not understand. Keep on seeing, but do not perceive. Make the heart of this people dull, and their ears heavy, and blind their eyes, lest they see with their eyes, And hear with their ears, and understand with their hearts, and turn and be healed. Then I said, How long, O Lord? And he said, Until cities lie waste without inhabitant, and houses without people, and the land is a desolate waste, and the Lord removes people far away, and the forsaken places are many in the midst of the land. And though a tenth remain in it, it will be burned again like a terebinth or an oak, whose stump remains when it is failed the holy seed is its stump father we're so grateful for this chapter tucked away in the prophet isaiah's book and Lord, we realize that this is the living word of god that it is sharper than any two-edged sword it is active today your word's alive today therefore as we hear it I pray that we'll receive it. I pray that we'll respond to it. I pray today if we hear your voice, we will not harden our hearts. Some of us need to be made new. Some of us need to be saved. Others of us need to be renewed. And all of us that know you need to tell others about you. So bring us to these places of decision, Lord, today. We ask it in Jesus' name. And God's people said... All right, sum up this message in a sentence under the big umbrella is simply this, make known the God you know. (laughs) We are called as followers of Jesus to make known this God that we know, to make known the one true and only God who has revealed himself in the person of Jesus. We are called to make known the God we know. So here's what we're going to do. In Isaiah 6, there are at least eight glimpses of God's glory that we're going to pull out of the text. And of these eight, you're going to find different ways to start conversations that will lead you toward the gospel. And it's time for us to do that. It's time for us to make known the God we know. Whether it's on the mountain, in the valley, or any and everywhere in between, we are called to make known the God we know. So here's the first glimpse of God's glory. We find it in verse 1. In fact, the first three we find in verse 1. Here's the first one. God is not still in the grave. Amen? (laughs) He's not. He's not still in the grave. I love what Isaiah sees in Isaiah 6. Look at this. In the year that King Uzziah died. Now, a king has a throne that he sits on. But King Uzziah's throne is now empty. Because King Uzziah is dead. Okay. So in the year that this king died, look at this. I saw the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up. King Uzziah, according to 2nd Chronicles chapter 26, started out fantastic. He was a God-fearing young man. But as his kingdom grew, and again he served, he reigned for 52 years on the throne. Meaning they had a strong economy, they had a mighty military force. They had a pretty solid spiritual foundation to begin with, but as he grew successful and as God blessed him, his heart grew proud. And Second Chronicles tells us that he acted corruptly and he was unfaithful when his heart grew proud and he entered the temple of the Lord and burned incense on the altar of incense. Now, why was that a big deal? That is a job for the priest, not the king. That's out of bounds for a king to perform the duties of a priest. That's out of bounds. And so God struck him with leprosy, and he had leprosy till the day he died. Why is that important? Because when Isaiah looked and saw the king was dead, he looked and saw the Lord sitting upon his throne. And and in this context of Israel, in the days of Isaiah, they had taken their allegiance and shifted it from God to King Uzziah. Because King Uzziah was so successful, God had blessed him so much. And so when the king died, you can imagine the grief and the sorrow and the confusion and the chaos on earth. Sure, the king on earth is dead, but there's perfect peace in heaven. (laughs) For the king of kings in heaven is alive and well. He's not dead. He's alive. Hey, when relationships in your life die, when marriages die, when people die, When parents and children die, when churches die, when nations die, when kingdoms die, when communities die, when cities die, when kingdoms and kings and presidents and leaders die, God is not dead. When everything in your world is a dead end, God is not dead. When everything in the world is getting worse and worse and worse, God is not still in the grave. He's alive forevermore. Now, I, 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 Paul says it like this in First Timothy. Here's how Paul approaches the subject. To the king of ages. Paul doesn't say to King David. He doesn't say to King Uzziah. He doesn't say to King Saul. He says to the king eternal. To the king of ages. He doesn't say to Joe Biden. He doesn't say to President Trump. He says to the king of ages. To the king eternal, immortal, invisible, the only God. Be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. To the king of kings, he is alive and well. Here's a dad joke, and it's a really bad dad joke that it almost may be a good joke. I'll let you decide. Mary said to the wise men, wow, gold and frankincense, how generous. The third wise men said to Mary, but wait, there's myrrh. <laughs> there's a reason dad jokes are bad jokes, right? I get it. I get it, I get it, I get it But I do want you to think about Jesus' first coming And I want you to think about Jesus as a child And the wise men coming to the house Where Jesus was when he was a child And they brought with them gifts of gold And frankincense and myrrh And that was very appropriate for Jesus at his first coming Gold is a gift you give to a king Jesus is the king of kings So that's a very appropriate gift Frankincense is a gift you give to priests Not kings That's why King Uzziah got in so much trouble Because he went in the temple and performed a duty that the priest, not the king, is supposed to do. But giving frankincense to Jesus is an appropriate gift because Jesus is our great high priest. He's both priest and king. So those are appropriate gifts. The third gift is myrrh. And myrrh was used to prepare bodies for burial. Okay? So that's an appropriate gift for Jesus because he would lay down his life for his sheep. He would give his life as a ransom for many. So those are three very appropriate gifts for His first coming. Now take your Bibles and go right all the way over to Isaiah 60. Isaiah chapter 60 is the future glory of Israel. Isaiah 60 is is a prophecy of the second coming. Somebody say second. Second. Somebody say not first, first. but second. second. Second, the second coming of Christ. Isaiah 60 prophesies about Messiah coming the second time and he receives gifts when he comes the second time. And I want you to see these gifts in verse 6. Isaiah 60 verse number 6. A multitude of camels shall come over you, shall cover you. The young camels of Midian and Ephah, all those from Sheba shall come. They shall bring gold and frankincense. And shall bring good news, the praises of the Lord. Gold is still an appropriate gift to give to Jesus at his second coming because he's still the king of kings. Amen? (laughs) Frankincense is still an appropriate gift to give to Jesus at his second coming because he's still the great high priest. But myrrh is missing. Why is myrrh missing? Because church Jesus will never be buried again. Giving myrrh to Jesus at his second coming is a very inappropriate gift because he is not still in the grave. He's alive, and he's alive and well. And you can use this to take a conversation and turn it to the gospel. Let me give you an example. I was talking to a dad in our church the other day. He was telling me about his son who made a simple statement of faith at work. He was talking to a co-worker about his great-grandmother dying, and he just made a simple statement. It's terrible that my great-grandmother died, but I know I'm going to see her in heaven one day. I mean, that's a simple statement of faith. I know I'm going to see her again in heaven one day. And let me tell you what God did with that statement. His co-worker then made this statement. You know, I don't even know if I'm going to heaven. It, can the door get any more wide open than that? That's how you start a gospel conversation. You make simple statements of faith. The Holy Spirit takes it, throw the doors wide open. It's it's not hard. It's not hard. It's not hard. How could this son of this dad make that statement, I know I'll see my great-grandmother again in heaven because his great-grandmother is not in the grave anymore because she put her faith in the God who is not still in the grave. He's not there. What a great glimpse of God in Isaiah 6. Here's a second one. God is still good. Again, this is verse 1. So notice what he says. He sees the Lord. What is the Lord doing? He's sitting upon a throne. Okay? In the year that is, for, for the nation of Israel this year, it was chaos, grief, sorrow. Does that sound familiar to anybody? Confusion. Does that sound familiar to anybody? Tough year for that people of Isaiah when King Uzziah died. Yet, who's still on the throne? The Lord's still on the throne. What a great word for us in 2020. It means God is sovereign. He is master. He is always seated on the throne. God's always in control. That means that even when you feel like you're in control, and even when everything seems to be in control, God is still in control. Even when everything seems to be out of control, and you don't seem to have any control, God is still in control. He's in charge. Now, He doesn't directly make happen all that happens, yet He allows all that happens to happen. And he doesn't directly keep from happening all that does not happen, but he also allows all that does not happen to not happen. In other words, he's in charge. He's in control. Can you imagine all the evil that God has not allowed to happen this year? Just think, just ponder on that for a moment. Think about all the evil he is not allowed to happen. Here's what Paul said in Romans. And we know that God causes all things to work together for good. To those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. Joseph said it like this. You meant it for evil. God meant it for good. God can take anything, good, bad, ugly, indifferent, and work together for good. Why? Because he's good. He's still good. I know that this year has been a year that makes you think and say things like, man, I can't wait for 2021. I feel sorry for the 2021 calendar. I'm glad I'm not the 2021 calendar and carrying all that pressure. Talk about pressure to perform. Christ is still good even when the Christmas season is not good. Christ is still good when the 2021 calendar is not good. Christ is still good. And we don't need a new calendar. We don't need a new year. We need new hearts. We need to be made new. We need to be renewed. And Jesus is making all that new. Why? Because he's good. He's still good. So use that. When somebody talks about how bad 2020 has been, and and don't dismiss it. Say, yes, it's been tough. But then... Talk about what God has done that's been good in 2020. 2020 has not been all bad because God is still in control and he's all good. That's why it had not been all bad. So share a testimony of what God has done that's been good this year as you meet together over the next couple of weeks. Number three, God is still great. Again, this is verse 1. God is still great. Uh, We see him seated on the throne. He's high and lifted up. And look at this, the end of verse number 1. And the train of his robe filled the temple. A field means to make full, to be satisfied. The idea is of abundance, of overflowing. The idea is to fill up the waters of the oceans. It's to be full, to make full. In other words, the regal robes of our resurrected Lord filled every nook and cranny of that temple. Every nook and cranny is filled with the train of His road. Upstairs, downstairs, any stairs in between, filled with the train of of his robe. That means this. If every inch is already spoken for, that means that our God has no rival and he has no equal. Amen. There's no president. There's no dictator. There's no judge. There's no justice. There's no senator. There's no representative. There's no prince or prince or king or queen that rivals our God. There, there is no. He's, he's great and he's still great. King Nebuchadnezzar knew that. Here's what King Nebuchadnezzar said, the, you know, the great king of Babylon, Babylon the great. Here's what this king said. All the inhabitants of the earth are accounted as nothing. How about that? And he does according to his will among the host of heaven and among the inhabitants of the earth, and no one can stay his hand or say to him, what have you done? Wow. I was reading about King Louis XIV of France the other day. King Louis died 305 years ago. He died in 1715. And he reigned on his throne for 72 years. Can you imagine that? That's a long time. He had the most magnificent kingdom Europe had ever seen. He named himself the Great. He even coined the the famous statement, I am the state. King Louis XIV of France coined that that statement for himself. Great king, glorious kingdom, Uh, the most renowned kingdom in his day was King Louis XIV of France. Died in 1715, had a funeral. Uh, The funeral was held in a cathedral, and the bishop there was given strict instructions to dimly light the cathedral, to put the golden coffin of King Louis right out front and put a candle, one single candle over the casket to dramatize the king's greatness. Thousands of people were in hushed silence as the bishop took his place behind the pulpit at the funeral. He reached his hand out to that one single candle. He snuffed that candle out and he said, Only God is great how about that? Yes, that's 305 years ago, and God is still great today. 2,700 years ago, Isaiah makes this claim, and God is still great today. What a great opportunity to tell somebody that God is great and to tell them, yes, I know your problems have been big in 2020, but they're not too big for God. They're not too small for God. In fact, somebody in your life needs to hear that yes, God will give you more than you can handle. He absolutely will, but He will also give you Himself. And He's greater than all. Somebody needs to hear that. Number four, God is still God. Verse two and three really highlight this glimpse of God that God is still God. Really with three words, holy, holy, holy. They're used here in succession, They're repeated for emphasis. Emphasis. Uh, Here's what one scholar said. The significance of the repetition of the word holy can be easily missed. It represents a peculiar literary device that is found in Hebrew forms of literature, especially in poetry. The repetition is a form of emphasis. To mention something three times in succession is to elevate it to the superlative degree, to attach to it emphasis of super importance, end quote. See, the holiness of God, this attribute, this character of God, uh, we find in Scripture, repeated three times in succession, holy, holy, holy. You won't find that with love. You don't find that God is love, love, love. You won't find that with mercy, that God is mercy, mercy, mercy. But you find it with holiness. Why? Because God's holiness highlights his deity, that, that he is God alone. That he is totally distinctive and separate from all of creation. He stands alone. He's always existed. He's never been created. He is the creator. And he needs nothing to sustain himself. He himself sustains himself. And he sustains all of creation. And he's high and above our ways and our thoughts. I'll say it like this. God is bigger than Google. You believe that? This week, I know our students went virtual. Many of them, at least in Hamilton County, went virtual this week, virtual learning. On Monday, and on Monday, Google crashed. 2020 broke Google. Google had a worldwide outage. Google went to sleep. Google stopped being Google. God never stops being God. And 2020 is not going to break God. God is not pacing the throne room of heaven, wringing his hands, saying, now what am I going to do? Let's call an emergency meeting and figure out what the next step is. That's not what he's doing. Yes, Google was not happy, happy, happy on Monday, but God is still holy, holy, holy today. That's who he, this is who he is. He is God alone. And you can take that and and use that Google to start a conversation with somebody. Man, I was trying to virtual learn with my kids, and Google crashed, you probably got your own story about that, and then tell them, yeah, Google went to sleep, but our God, He never slumbers nor sleeps. And then share your testimony. It's easy to do this. This isn't hard. Number five, God is glorious. The end of verse three, look at the end of verse three, the whole earth is full of His glory. Boy, is that an indictment on us, or what? His glory is spilling out of heaven. It's overflowing out of heaven. From eternity to eternity. There is not enough of eternity to contain the glory of God. It just spills out everywhere. This means much for us. God forbid that we get so absorbed with our own ambitions of success and achievement, of of bucket list vacations, of retirement, of accomplishments, that we miss out on the glory of God in our daily lives. Let let us not get so caught up in in all the distractions and all this world throws at us that tries to get us to vie for our glory and not God's glory. Whether it be decorating uh, for Christmas or uh, whether it be securing our future with retirement or whatever it is, let us not lose sight of God's Glory. There is no tree that has ever been decorated with more glory than the tree called Calvary. That's where the glory of the Lord, the wrath of God, and the, the sin of man, the wrath of God, the justice of God, the mercy of God, the grace of God, all meet at the cross. What glory we have in our Savior. And Isaiah says it like this, the whole earth is full of His glory. It means there's no room for anybody else's glory. So, so here's how you get to that. How do I take that glimpse of God and start a conversation? Well, you're familiar with this question. You, you say this to people all the time. What do you do for a living, or what do you do? Or, you know, That's an easy question. What do you do for a living? What do you do? Here's a follow-up question to that one. What are you living for? That's a totally different question. What are you living for? Well, I don't really know. I've never really thought about what I'm living for. Well, can I tell you what I'm living for? Sure. Bam. You're in there. Just like that hey, let's use these glimpses of God's glory and turn conversations to the gospel. Number six, God is still gracious. Verse 4, 5, 6, and 7. Wow. You talk about a picture of the gospel. (laughs) Isaiah recognizes he's a sinner. He confesses that sin. His sin is atoned for, and then he's sent out. I mean, this this is the gospel right here. Look at this. Woe is me, he says. I'm a man of unclean lips. Immediately, when Isaiah saw who God is in all his holiness, he saw who he was in all his unholiness. And he recognized he was a sinner in need of a savior when he saw God for who he truly is. He saw Isaiah himself for who he truly was. And he confesses his sin. He doesn't try to hide it. He says, I'm lost. I'm a man of unclean lips. And the moment he comes to the place where he makes this confession of sin, I want you to notice what these angelic beings swoop in and do. Look what they do. They swoop in, and notice, are they swooping in to destroy him? Are they swooping in to zap Isaiah off the planet? Are they swooping in to claw him to death? Or to grab him and carry him and drop him over the lake of fire? No, what do they do? Look at this. This is amazing. He confesses his sin. He recognizes the king, the Lord of hosts. And then one of these angelic beings in verse 6, he goes to the altar and he gets a burning coal. Now I know that, that we've heard that, and the world tells us that Santa brings coal to children who are bad. But here's a burning coal that this seraphim picks up it's a picture of the ultimate sacrifice of Christ that God doesn't give coal to people who were bad. God takes the sacrifice, the burning coal, paying our sin. He takes our punishment upon Himself in the person of Jesus. He doesn't punish the sin of those who put their faith in Christ. You may have consequences of sin, but sin is not punished if you put your faith in christ christ takes our punishment for us not us so this burning coal is an example of the altar the sacrifice the cross of christ where jesus laid down his life and he touches this coal to his lips his guilt's taken away his sin atoned for what a picture of grace see you can't work your way to heaven you can't fight your way to heaven You can try, but it's not going to work. You can try to fight your way to heaven like every third animal tried to fight their way onto Noah's Ark. But God only took two by two, not three by three. You can't fight your way into heaven. It's only by grace that we enter in. Wouldn't you love to know that the gracious God has forgiven your sin today? Do what Isaiah does. Confess. See God for who He is. Realize who you really are and confess that sin today. What a gift, huh? What a gift. What better Christmas gift is, is there than this? You know, if, if any of you are looking for any last-minute Christmas gift ideas for me, I have one. I would love for my name to be removed from the car warranty call list. That would be quite a blessing. I, I ask you this week to send in some Christmas gifts that some of your favorite from childhood, and man, we got hundreds of them, and they were all awesome. I don't have time to read them all, but I'll share a few. The most popular one was a bicycle or a bike. And some people would share, yeah, mine had a white basket, or mine was blue, or mine had this, or mine had that. And just A lot of bicycles, a lot of bikes. Uh, one, one, another popular one was Easy Bake Oven. That bring back any memories? Just think about these as you think about memories. Red Ryder BB gun. Uh, Barbie dolls, of course, Cabbage Patch Kids. Anybody remember those? Or Strawberry Shortcakes. Or I'm sorry, I don't know this one. A Betsy Wetsy doll circa 1957. Not sure about that one. Somebody put my cardboard kitchen set that my sister broke and I bit her nose. <laughs> How about that? Light Brights, I remember those. Evil Knievel Stunt Man. You remember that? A Stunt Cycle. Cap Gun, Light Bright. I remember Light Bright. Greg House, my soul, we need to pray for him. Put Dallas Cowboys PJs. (laughs) That was decades ago. Cowboys hadn't been good since then. (laughs) David Crockett Fort. I think Brad put a Walkman. Only time I got the hottest gift out there. This was not going to make some of you very happy. Jay Cutler, Vanderbilt, Jersey, Christmas 05. After Vandy beat Tennessee for the first time in 22 years. may not like that one. Somebody put hot pink inflatable furniture and then in, in, in quotations it was, a very, it was very big in the 90s like kind of justifying that. Uh, somebody found a gift you know after you wrap everything and you're cleaning up all the paper and then there's another gift you didn't know about kind of like finding the, the waffle fry on the bottom of the Chick-fil-A bag. Good gift. And then this one. That, somebody sent in a picture. They went so far to send a picture in Roy Rogers outfit boots and double six shooters. Look at there. How about that, huh? So ask someone this Christmas. Just ask, hey, what was the favorite gift you got as a child? What's been your favorite Christmas gift? And then share yours, and then share, hey, can I tell you about the greatest gift that's ever been given? In fact, the king of rock and roll, Elvis Presley, said this about the king of kings. He said, it's no secret what God can do. What he's done for others, he'll do for you. With arms wide open, he will pardon you. God is still gracious. He's still pardoning. Number seven, God's missionaries are still going. Verse eight, nine, and ten. I want you to look at the question Jesus asked. Whom shall go for whom? Whom shall I send, and who will go for us? This is God's missionaries are still going. Why? Because God is still sending. <laughs> That's why they're still going. Isaiah is saved. Look what happens. Isaiah his sins atoned for and then he's sent (laughs) to be saved is to be sent you are either a missionary or you are a mission field there's nothing in between that (laughs) he was saved, he's sent and he's told to go and say and then you you can read in verse 10 and 11 it's a very grim picture that the Lord is painting here of, of what happens when we hear the Word and we reject God, we don't listen to Jesus, we harden our hearts when we hear His voice. and It's it's amazing to me that, that we're afraid of offending everybody except Jesus. We don't care if we offend Jesus. We just don't want to offend anybody else. Well, your sin and my sin, it's a crime against God. He is already offended. Don't offend Him again by hardening your heart and turning away from the only way you can be saved. And so, what are we to do? Well, if you're saved, you are sent as missionaries. And you don't have to go to other nations to do that. But I will say this, 2020 is locked down as it's been, as quarantined as it's been, as the pandemic has just swept across the world. I will say this. Dr. Ronnie Floyd posted this week that even in the midst of a global pandemic year, Southern Baptists have appointed 416 new missionaries. Amen. How about that? Yeah. How about that, church? New missionary In a year when everything's shut down. Why? Because God's missionaries, they're still going. Here's number eight. God's mission is still ongoing. All right, 11 and 12, grim picture of just what happens when we turn and reject God. Judah falls, we all fall into sin. It's a very grim picture. But look at the last part of verse 13. The holy seed is its stump. The holy seed is the hope. I've heard a lot. I've heard a lot this week about the vaccine and it being the shot of hope. And praise God for medicine. Praise God for science. Praise God for doctors. Praise God for our medical teams. Praise God for them. And this vaccine, I've heard it referred to as a shot of hope. I've heard it referred to as the light at the end of the tunnel this week. And praise God for that. Absolutely. But let us not miss the mission. The mission is not to just get to the end of the tunnel. The mission is to get past death, to eternal life, abundant life. And sure, this this shot of hope, it very well could save you from dying from COVID-19. But this shot ain't going to save you from dying. Folks, you going to die. I'm going to die. We're going to die. But there is hope beyond the tunnel. It's not the light at the end of the tunnel. Jesus is the light of the world. And there is hope beyond the grave. Jesus has died. He's been there. He's gone there. He's come back. And this mission is ongoing, and I love, I I can't wait to share this with you. I've been waiting to share this with you all morning. Our goal for Gospel Conversations in 2020 was 2,020 conversations. How about that? You know what God did this year? We had 3,260 conversations that you recorded. That's what we know about. 3,200 gospel conversations. Now, some of them, I'm sure, were done at our, our food giveaways, but some of those were done because you engage people that you know in your life. And guess what? 38 people got saved this year through the ministry of Red Bank and the Point Church. Praise God. Can we praise—38 people! Yes! 38 people came to faith in, 38 people got connected to Christ. 38 people got saved in a year when we did not do vacation Bible school in a year when we did not do Night of Champions, in a year when we did not have any evangelistic events on any of our campuses, in a year when we did not go to mission trips, national, international, in a year that we did not meet in person for a quarter of the year. And God's mission is not quarantined. His mission is not on lockdown. His mission is not shut down. The gospel continues to go. God's mission is ongoing. And so use that. And we're not done. Tomorrow, we need your help. We need you here at 2 p.m. tomorrow in the gym to pack some bags of food. We're giving away 1,500 bags of food on Tuesday at 8 a.m. We'll start. Now, this food is, has not been given to us. We had to pay for it. But because of your generous giving all year long, we have plenty in benevolence to pay for it. But I want to share a miracle with you. Can I share another miracle? Do you mind? Are you anti-miracle? Y'all mind if I share a miracle? All right, here, here's another miracle. We were, I told you several weeks ago, we were getting $1 from one distributor back in October that sent us 1,600 boxes. We were going to get $1 for every box that they sent to offset any costs we might incur while giving the food away. So we get the check in. Dr. House called me and said, hey, the check is, it's not $1,600. It's over $6,000. Now, that covers any cost we ever incurred to give food away and it almost covers the cost of these 1500 bags we're giving away this week we took a step of faith to do that because we didn't receive that food for free we, we knew we were going to have to pay for that and then you can't outgive God so use that to share with somebody and point them to hey this is what God is doing in 2020 I know you hear all about the bad stuff but let me show you with you some good stuff we need to make known the God we know How can we do that? Here's how we do that. We can't leave Jesus at the first advent. Church, we got to get to the second advent. We can't leave Jesus in Isaiah's birth announcement as the sovereign son. We got to get Jesus to the death announcement in Isaiah of Jesus as the suffering servant. We can't leave him in a cradle on the hay. We got to get Jesus to the cross on the hill. We can't leave Jesus exiting the womb. We gotta get to Jesus' exit from the tomb. We can't leave him resting in the city of David. We gotta get Jesus to resurrecting from the city of the dead. Christmas is about the gospel. Don't leave Jesus in that baby bed in Bethlehem. Get him to the criminal's cross on Calvary's Hill, lay him in the grave. Bring him forth alive. For Christmas is all about the gospel. Christmas is about not missing the Christ. Don't miss Christ this Christmas. And don't miss the mission to share him this Christmas. Amen? Would you stand with me?